Well, good morning. How are we? Good. All right. I see lots of colors out there this morning, especially blue and a little bit of red. I think some of you guys got the memo that it is sports day here at the Ridge. And let me tell you, I am excited that I get to wear my blues lanyard up here, right? Tonight is game number six, right? And we can clinch it out. So let's go blues, right? Um, But most importantly, right, we want to look at God's word today. Um, And as we study God's word, I believe that always it challenges us, right? And it calls us to action. And so we've been walking through the book of James this summer. Um, Pastor Roger started it off, and he started with saying, trusting God in the trials of life, right? And there's many things that are going to come our way. There's many trials. But if we continue to have faith in God, he will get us through it. Bob then continued to talk about how we must persevere, Right? We have to ask God for wisdom. Well, there's no greater, I think, illustration or example. Um, are you going to pull that up for us? Perfect. There's no greater illustration of persevering than the St. Louis Blues. Right? <laughs> January, dead last. I mean, everybody had written them off, including me. I was like, we're done. We're going to have to trade some players. We may even need a new general manager. Like, this is not working. St. Louis fans were like, Ooh, we're so bad. But now, look what, one game away from a Stanley Cup. How did that happen? A little bit of faith and a whole lot of perseverance, right? And I know sports sometimes, right, they can go good, they can go bad. I mean, we can learn a lot from it about the perseverance and what it really takes to get there. So this morning, right, Bob and Roger, I believe, talked about how a faith that perseveres. Well, I'm going to begin to shift us into where we're talking about a faith that obeys. And let me tell you, James this morning, it's a little bit hard. He's going to step on some toes. He's going to shake you, if you will. But this is the truth that we need to hear this morning. And so we're going to be in the book of James, chapter 1. And I'm going to be in verses 21 um, through 27. Um, So if you'll turn with me there this morning, and I just want to open with a word of prayer that we would hear from God. So let's bow. Father, I thank you, God, for just the opportunity to proclaim your message this morning. Um, God, and I just ask that our ears would be open, Lord, that our hearts would be soft to hear your message this morning. And Lord, that we would be challenged by your word. God, and that we would not walk away and forget what we have heard this morning. We ask these things in your name. Amen. So James chapter 1, verse 21, I'm picking up right where Bob left off, starts off with this. It says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, it feels like I'm just coming out and like, hey, let's get right to it. It's because we are, right? What does it say? Therefore, put away some or what, guys? All. Now, is this anything new? No, other New Testament writers, the Old Testament, continually talk about putting off this sin nature. Look what Paul writes here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. It says, put to death what is earthly in you, the sexual immorality, the impurity, the passion, the evil desire, the covetousness. What does he describe all of this as, guys? Idolatry. Anything that we put in front of Jesus Christ is idolatry. And this is what we are called to put away. This is what we're called to put off. In Colossians, put it to death. 
That's how serious this is. Also in Romans chapter 6, it says, let not sin therefore reign. The idea of being in control, dominating, right, your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Now, why is James here? Why is he writing this? Let's back up, right? He's reminding these Jewish Christians that this faith that they have, this faith in God, can be lived out in everyday life. Is it going to be tough? Yes. Will you persevere and can you persevere? Yes. How can we do that? Through obedience to our King, Jesus. And that's where we're going to start this morning. So we're throwing off the sin. We're putting it away. We're putting it to death. We're not letting it rain. And that sounds like, oh yeah, we all know to do that. We've heard that before. But here's my question this morning. How do you do that? Well, thankfully for us, James kind of, I believe, paints the picture for us. He gives us, here is how we put off the flesh. Here's how we put to death the sin that would reign inside of us, right? So we're talking about a faith that obeys, that is obedient to our King. So here it is, verse 22. And I want everybody to read this with me this morning. This is kind of the main focal point of what we're looking at. So um, one, two, three. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. How many of you guys have ever heard that verse quoted? All right, that was not a very good show of hands. Let's try this again. How many of you guys have ever heard that verse quoted? That's better. That's what I thought. Almost all the hands go up because we have what? Heard that verse. But the question is, have we done anything with it, right? Every Sunday morning, if you come here to the Ridge Church, we're going to open up God's Word here for preaching. We're going to go into Sunday school classes to what? Study His Word. But does that always equal fruit? Does that mean that you're going to grow in your walk with Christ? You could come here for 20 years, never miss a sermon, never miss a Sunday school class, and still be you. And nothing changes. Think about that. So is it the church's fault? Well, probably Roger's fault, right? Let's blame it on Roger. No, it has to do with our hearts and our faith. And I believe that's what James is trying to get them to see. They're going through hard times. But he's saying you can persevere and you can be obedient through this. Because we are not just to be hearers, but we are called to be doers of the word, right? Most churches want their members to grow. We want you guys to know Christ more. So how does that happen, right? James chapter 1, verse 19, just a few verses back says, Know this, my beloved brothers, right? He's speaking to them as, hey, brothers and sisters, I care so much for you. So let every person be quick to hear, right? He's saying, don't forget, like you need to hear the word. But we need to what? Be slow to speak, slow to anger. Here's what Romans says about hearing the word. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So this morning, I'm not saying that we need to not hear God's word. It is incredibly important to hear his word. But if that's where we stop, that's where the problem begins. 
And I want to look back in the Old Testament. There's a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 6 that talks about a people that don't hear. And I want you guys to see this. And Jesus is going to quote this later in Matthew. Here's what it says. And this is Isaiah prophesying. And this is going to sound harsh this morning. But people who do not hear, this is their description. Isaiah says, go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Parents, you ever given instructions to kids and they heard you? They heard the words come out of your mouth, but they just didn't understand? How do we know they didn't understand? Nothing happened, right? Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. We can hear, but not hear. We can see, but not perceive. Look at what verse 10 says. Make the heart of this people dull. Now, does that sound like something good? No, but if we're not careful to hear God's word and be doers, what happens to our hearts? They will grow dull. Our eyes will be heavy. They will be blinded lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts. But notice this, there's always hope. Even for people who are not hearing, for people who are not seeing, they can turn and they what? Can be healed. And that's what I want us to focus on this morning. That if we truly are going to be not only hearers of God's word, but doers of the word, then man, there needs to be, right, some turning to Jesus Christ. So point number one, how do we turn away from the filthiness? How do we get rid of this sin? James says we need to receive the word. Where am I seeing that at? Here's what it says in verse, oh, that, that fan got me. In verse 21, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Receive it. I looked up that word and thought maybe it was going to go really deep. It's really simple, actually. This means to accept, right? And I, it's sports day, so we might as well keep the theme going, right? Imagine the wide receiver running down. If he doesn't turn around to receive the ball, what's going to happen? Incomplete pass. Maybe even get bumped on the head with it. We need to be ready to receive the Word of God. Not just hear it. Hearing is part of it. So then faith comes by hearing, but now we what? We accept it. We receive it in. He even describes it as the implanted Word, the engrafted Word, some say. Right? We must take this in. Notice what he also says, which is able to save you or save your souls. So as we talk about this receiving, how many of us out there have been guilty of just hearing, not accepting, and just moving right along, right? No. We need to accept it. As he continues on, for if anyone, verse 23, is a hearer of the word and not a doer, so I believe that James gives us more illustration here. And he's saying, all right, let me lay it out plain for you. You're either a hearer or a doer. And let me show you how you know if you're only a hearer, right? If anyone is a hearer and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. So I brought with me, actually I didn't bring with me, brought it right out of the bathroom, right? But here is, so if anybody's going into that bathroom, there's not a mirror this morning, so sorry. But here is the mirror. What do we use mirrors for? You guys can say it. What do we use mirrors for? 
look at ourselves, right? To make sure we're presentable as we walk out. Well, funny story, I, I was on vacation this past week, and vacation is very relaxing, but every now and then there's like deadlines, and you got to get up and get going, right, to go see the city. Um, and so I got up, uh, didn't have time to brush my teeth, you know, like whoosh, ate breakfast, quick in, quick out, give a little whoop, look all right, you know, whoo, here we go. Guess what I discovered halfway through the day? There it was, right? Food, right in my teeth. What did I not do? I didn't look intently, right? I just did a quick glance into the mirror. Notice what this verse says. He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. Why do we need to look intently? To really see what's going on. If we just do a quick glance, I mean, I got an idea of what I look like, but can I really picture it? Can I really see myself? But when I stop and I look into, and the mirror in this illustration, guys, is God's word. God's word is a mirror, and it's going to show us who we really are. Verse 24, for he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he's like. Just as I talked about, we look just very quickly, briefly, we won't remember. But the one who looks into the perfect law, how do I know the mirror is God's word? Because scripture tells me. Here it is, right? The one who looks into God's word. He describes it as the perfect law, the law of liberty. This scripture gives us freedom. This scripture is our hope. It perseveres. There's that word that we're honing in on, right? How do we have this faith that perseveres? We look to God's word. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. Well, what happens if we not only hear, but we put God's word into action, you will be blessed in your doing. So James, right, very practical book. He's trying to make it as simple as possible. I believe that he says, hey, you need to receive it, but also not just receive it, but you need to put it into practice. If we just only receive it and accept it and go, oh, God's word is so good, that's still just hearing it, right? We need to put it into practice. Look what it continues to say. Oh, I'm going to back that up real quick. For he himself, for he looks at himself and goes away and once forgets what it's like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed. That's what we're talking about when we talk about practice here this morning. And James lays out three different things that I want us to see, right? He says, here's some mistakes that probably he himself had made. Here's some mistakes that I believe that every one of us will make. So what are they? We take that quick glance. I've done it even on vacation, right? I thought I was going to have so much time to read God's word. And then you get up and you get out and going, and what happens? It doesn't happen, right? And I know I need to read it, so I open it up really quick, and I do a, all right, got my chapter in. It's not just enough to read it and check it off. When we talk about practicing God's Word, I think we need to be careful that we don't carelessly approach reading it, right? This is not something that you just quickly look over, right? Right? Quickly look in the mirror, 
and walk out. Like I looked at the mirror very quickly again this morning, even though I was about to preach this. But that's what we do because life gets busy. But I want us to see that the word of God does not just deserve a quick glance. Number two, forgetting what they saw. We're going to camp out on this one for just a little bit, right? When we think of looking into God's word, every Sunday morning we get to hear. Hopefully you're reading your Bibles daily and you're hearing, but what can sometimes happen? We forget. We go throughout our day and that message that we read in the morning or that verse that maybe God even shared with us, here's what I believe many times we think equals doing. We believe that memorizing God's word is doing. We believe that reading God's word is doing. We believe talking about God's word is doing. But let me tell you, there's only one thing that equals doing. And that's actually to put it into action. To be obedient. So be a doer who acts. This leads to a blessing. But the last one, notice how these are building upon one another. Like James is building his case. He's saying, don't just take the quick glance. Don't just look in here and forget. Because if you do that, what will ultimately happen? You will fail to obey. If we're not spending any time really looking into God's word, we'll forget the truths. If we're not spending any time really looking into God's word, we'll probably more than likely fail to obey. So remember, James is saying, put off these things. How do we do that, right? We receive the word, but we not only receive the word, we practice the word. And putting it into practice means not just the quick glance, not just looking and forgetting, and not failing to do. Look at verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious. Now, when we read the scriptures, sometimes when we hear the word religious, we get a little bit of a negative connotation. Here's why. Because Jesus was many times getting on to who? The religious leaders. Because they were more concerned with their outward actions than what was really going on in their hearts. And that's what Jesus is after. right? This faith that is going to persevere, this faith that is going to be obedient to Jesus must come from our hearts. The word religious or religion that we're getting ready to focus on is outward actions. Now, are we saved by our outward actions? Absolutely not. For by grace have we been saved. But James is showing us that when we receive the word and we put it into practice, there's gonna be some actions that occur, right? Anyone who thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion, I didn't say this, James did, is what? Worthless. Whoa, wake up call, right? If we're just hearing the word and not doing it, we're like a person whose religion is worthless. Verse 27, religion that is pure, that is undefiled before God the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction. To keep oneself unstained from the world. Now there's a lot to break down in those last two verses. I'm going to do my best to try to do it, right? But I want to try to keep it as simple as possible too, right? And I, I looked at, I love reading men of God. And I love reading commentaries because sometimes they make it so simple to understand. So Warren Wearsby gave me this outline right here, okay? So he receives it, he practices it, but here's the third part. 
How do I put off that sin? This part is the doing part. Practicing and sharing the word. Doesn't that make sense? If I receive it and I accept it, then I must put it into practice. And once I'm practicing it, I don't just keep it for myself. I what? I share it with others. So we share God's word. How do we do that? Here's a couple things. Our speech. How many of you guys go out into the world and you hear all kinds of things? Every day, people talk. And as James says, we must bridle our tongues. As believers, there are certain things that should never come out of our mouths. Why? Because people are listening. And they are going to see and hear. And what they see and hear many times will determine. So we share God's word with our speech. We also share God's word with our service. Remember the Isaiah 6 reference that I talked about earlier? Well, I want to flip back to there. And I'm going to read you guys the account. I'm focusing in on Isaiah. Listen to what it says, right? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. Are you guys seeing the account with me? Can you visualize it? Isaiah is standing before the king of kings. He's standing before God. And what did it say? The foundations shook. And I want you guys to catch this to what we're talking about with James. Notice his response. And I believe, right, if, if you will for a second, here's Isaiah. He's before God. And remember, God and his word is like a what? A mirror. What is Isaiah going to see? How unworthy he is. He's going to see how sinful he is. He's going to see how dirty he is. Then it says, and I said in verse 5, woe is me, for I am lost, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Here's the visual. He sees God and he goes, whoa, whoa, I am dirty. I am unclean. How do we show the lost world? How do we share with them? Our speech. What did he say was wrong with them? What did they have, guys? Unclean lips. But notice the second part. He says, woe is me. He realized he was unclean. He realized his speech didn't match up. But watch God's healing. Then one of the seraphims, right, the angel that is described, flew to me having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. What does he do with it? He touches his mouth, touched his lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. That experience of God cleansing him, touching him. Well, what happens next? Anybody know? What is Isaiah's response? Now that his speech has been cleaned up, he's been forgiven. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, 
Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Isaiah, hey, hey, here am I, Lord. Send me. When we truly have received God's word, right? He received it and he's practicing it. What happens next? Sharing it. And I believe Isaiah's service is going to show the world, right? He's going to declare God's word to the people. But as we read throughout the Old Testament, there's a few different prophets who God tells them, here's what I want you to do, but they respond a little differently. And you know, we kind of make fun of them, but if we're being honest, that's us. How many know the prophet Jonah? God says, hey Jonah, I want you to get on a ship and I want you to go preach to the people of Nineveh. This is what I want you to do. Jonah says, nope, not for me. Those are dirty people. Those are wicked people. I'm not going. Our service is not on our terms, guys. The Lord gives you the mission. The Lord tells you where to go. The Lord tells you who to share with. Now, I just picked on Jonah. I want to share a personal story with you guys this morning. So if you haven't figured it out by now, I just got back from family vacation, right? And we went to Boston. And it was an incredible trip and really, like, had a ton of fun, very relaxing. But travel days are always stressful, right? So we've got to get a cab or an Uber, right, from Boston to the airport. And I, we stayed up late the night before, hanging out with family and talking. Um, and so traveling stressful. We get at the airport. We get settled in. Um, I was in one group. My wife was in another group. We're hoping to get on the plane to spend some more quality time together. As we're walking onto the plane, the lady makes the announcement and says, hey, there are no more aisle seats and there are no more window seats. You can do the math. Are we sitting together? No, right? So we're not sitting together. And as I walked, like we just got on the plane as she made that announcement. And I look in the very front Right? I've never flown in the front of a plane before, ever. There's an open middle seat. And I look at Abby and I'm like, can I do it? She's like, no, let's sit in the middle seats together across from one another. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's good. So I proceed to walk down the aisle and we're getting further and we're getting further. And I'm realizing this ain't going to happen. Right? So I'm almost all the way towards the plane and the stewardess is waving me back saying, hey, there's one here almost in the very back. Nope, I don't want it. I'm going to go back. I turn around. Everyone is filled in. So guess where I get to sit? Back of the bus, right? And I hop into my seat. My wife, about seven, eight, nine rows ahead of me. So we failed, right? Not good. It's fine, though. So I get to my seat. Kind lady, kind man. But I don't know. They're strangers to me, right? So I scoot on in, sit down. And here I am on the plane, right? I've got got the visual, my neck pillow. I'm one of those guys. Got my long sleeve shirt because planes get cold. And I sit down and I'm just like, three more hours. We'll be back in St. Louis. No problem. Little urge. Felt it touch my heart. The Holy Spirit said, share. Thinking, God, not now. I'm tired. I'm worn out. Like, they kind of look like very kind and nice people, but, like, they haven't said hello or anything. Like, I don't even, I think the lady's reading a book, and the man has got his arms, and he's trying to fall asleep already. We haven't even went anywhere. 
but I know I hear God's voice. Now, I'd love to tell you that I immediately obeyed, but I didn't. My flesh said, you're tired. You deserve that sleep. And I did. And I, I closed my eyes, and I fell asleep. And the next thing I know, <laughs> right? And I woke up going, <gasps> and I do the quick little, like, Lord, please let us be safe. Like, make sure this plane gets home. I was waking up. Still small voice. Share. That's literally all I heard. And here's the crazy part. I've studied for this message before vacation. I know what my points are. Right? And I'm in my mind going through like obedience. Be obedient. The flesh is still saying what? You're tired. You're worn out. You don't have to share. They still haven't spoken to you yet. We're probably an hour in. So I go back to sleep. And this is supposed to be like, we're supposed to have clear skies. No problems. <laughs> Right? You know what it is. You wake up. Like, oh. Voice. Well, I'm going to read my Bible. I haven't done that today. So I get out my phone, you know, tight little quarters, and I start reading in James. Well, I get to this passage. Holy Spirit touches my heart again. Share. I still want to read. I'm preparing for tomorrow, God. I'm going to share with hundreds of people. So I get out my commentary, and I start reading. The lady looks over. What you reading? Thanks, God. Thank you. I'd been disobedient, and I know I had. I felt it. And if you've ever, if you've ever been prodded by the Holy Spirit to share... You know that feeling. I'd been disobedient two times, and yet God graciously opened the door. And I got to share with her how I was a pastor, how I got to preach, and I didn't even lead with that. I just said, I'm reading about God's word, and she smiled. We're believers too. We're at a church in Oklahoma, and as we got continued to talking, she said, I'm gonna pray for you tomorrow. And I was so encouraged. Now, I know that someone didn't come to faith yesterday, but can I tell you, that was faith being tested right there. That was God saying, here's what I've called you to be obedient to. And I struggled with it. And I, got, I want to show you that this faith that we're talking about, being obedient in real life, sometimes it's messy. It's not always easy. It's not always convenient. But let me tell you, it's always worth it. We must be salt and light in this world as God's word shows us what we are to do. Don't turn away. Keep looking into it because the more you receive God's word, the more it changes you. The more you get changed, the more you put it into practice. The more you practice God's word, man, you can't help but share with others. And I walked away knowing that I got to be obedient even though at first I didn't want to be. I mean, I did want to be, but my flesh was strong. Our speech, our service. And here's the crazy part. As I got done with that conversation, that lady was saying, God bless you, son. And she goes, I knew. Like, even before we had that conversation, I knew that you were a believer. I said, well, how? 
I watched you come down the aisle, how you interacted with others, how you were kind and polite, and it blew me away. I hadn't even said a word yet. Our service, our speech matter. And as I conclude, I want to, this third thing, right, our service, it talked about their visiting orphans, visiting the widows and their affliction. It's not just sharing with people on a plane, but it's taking the time to care for others. There are many hurting people out there who don't know God's word. They don't know the truth, and they just need someone to share it with them. And I know this kind of seems like a contradictory statement, like we're to be in the world, but we're also to be separate from the world. Right? It said pure and undefiled in that last verse. Well, what does that mean? All throughout Scripture, God has told his people to be holy as he is holy. What does that word holy mean? To be set apart, to be high above. And our holiness is living out the Christian walk. It's Jesus in us. And so I want to challenge you. When you have Jesus in you, you look a little different than the dirty world. We should look different. We should be separate. That's how we share our separation. Notice, I'm not saying we boycott everything. I'm not saying that we cannot walk in this world. No, we are to be of this world, right? We are to be in it, not of it. But we are to share the love of Jesus Christ. And I believe that's what James is trying to say. He's reminding them that if you're just hearing it, it's worthless. So many people have heard, but not everyone has chose to act. Not everyone will be obedient to responding to the love of God. And I want to make sure that we see that this morning. That as we wrap up, James, there's a lot more to go, isn't there? This is my small section. But this faith requires obedience. And sometimes you're going to fall and you're going to trip up. Trials are going to come. Temptation is going to come. What, what must we do? Ask God for wisdom. Continue to keep our eyes on him. And when we do that, man, he will show us what we need to do. He will reveal to me. And here's the hard part. Like, I'm going to see my dirtiness. I'm going to see how ugly I can be, right? If you've ever looked in and there's been a big zit on your face or something, you're just like, ugh, I got to cover that up. No, no, no. Jesus is not in the cover-up business. He's in the cleansing and forgiving and the healing business. And that's what we need to do. Repent of that sin when it is revealed to us. Look into his perfect law. And that's how God's word changes us. So I want you guys to bow your heads for just a moment. What has the Holy Spirit spoken to you this morning? Was there anything that God has revealed to you that as I was speaking, not through my voice, but through the Holy Spirit revealed, this is the area of your life right now that sin has crept in, where sin is maybe even running rampant, if you will. That guilt and that shame we don't have to deal with it. You give that to Jesus. Allow him to cleanse you this morning.
allow him to heal you. There may be some in here this morning who go, I don't know if I have that faith. This morning, it really is as simple as surrendering your life to him, repenting of your sins, confessing it to him, saying, Jesus, I will follow you all the days of my life. Put your faith in him this morning because trials and tribulations will come. But faith in Jesus, it works in everyday life. I've got a challenge for you this morning. Some of you guys have already spent time reading your Bibles this morning and meditating and reflecting. But if you haven't, I urge you to go home tonight. And I know game six is later, but there's still a lot of time in between there. That you really look and you study his word and ask that question, God, is there anything in my life that I'm not being obedient to you? And here's the really hard part, then sit and wait for him to speak. And if it takes a while, that's okay. But you want to hear from him. You want to know how to be obedient. Continue to pray. If you're here today and maybe you've been visiting and this is where the Lord is leading you to plug in and join, we invite you to come. Let's just stand quietly or maybe you're here today and you just need someone to pray with you or pray for you. We would love to do that as well. So let's just take a minute. We have one decision, we, and I'm going to have Raymond come and share. If you guys don't mind, you can just kind of turn right where you are and face out. And... We're glad to have uh, Dave and Becky Jordan and Kelly. They come this morning uh, moving their membership from church in Maryland Heights. Should I tell them the name? Have Bible, will travel, Baptist Church. I always think, have gun, will travel. I make a paladin. But we're glad to have Dave and Becky and Kelly come this morning to be a part of our fellowship. All right, so if you rejoice in that, how about an amen? Amen. amen. It's great to see you. So if you guys don't mind, if you want to kind of make your way to the back, we'll give everybody a chance to officially greet you if you don't mind. So you guys can take your time. Uh, before we close with a song today, appreciate uh, Brett. We're so incredibly blessed 
to have uh, Brett leading our students and being on staff here. We appreciate his heart and Abby, his wife. Had a couple tragedies this past week. Uh, one in the area of Labadee, a man backed over his daughter with uh, heavy equipment. Uh, his name is Larry, and he was neighbors to a couple of our church family. And so remember, Larry, I mean, I, I just can't imagine the devastation. And so uh, I offered to help any way I, that I can or we can as a church. So remember, Larry. Also, we had uh, Brenda's brother, Steve Camper, who's a member of our church, uh, their house burnt down a couple nights ago, and uh, literally they were sleeping, and Wyatt, their son, who's probably seven, eight years old, woke Steve up, uh, kind of the hero, and Steve got up, the house was already in flames, and he literally had to go through the flames to go back and get their youngest daughter out of there, have a little bit of burns, I think, on his head, but anyway, they, they all got out safe, but literally they just got out with what they were wearing. So I think Steve had a pair of shorts on. That's all he had when they left. But anyway, uh, the community's rallying around them and really supportive. Uh, Lost Valley out uh, north of Gerald has been very gracious to let them stay there. And so uh, we're just gonna take a dollar offering today just to kind of help them. Right now they don't need a lot of stuff because they have nowhere to put it, of course. But anyway, if that's something the Lord would lay on your heart, if you want to give a dollar or a quarter, whatever it is, whatever we collect, we'll get to them tonight. And so we appreciate our church family. Again, they're members here as well, and they attend some at the Gerald campus. But uh, they haven't asked for anything, but just a way to kind of help them through this transition. So let's pray together, and then we'll close with a, a song. Again, remember VBS. Uh, pray always a great week, a crazy week. The children are amazing, and so love to be around those kids. So if you want to spice up your life, come and hang out. You'll you'll have a great time. Appreciate Robin, our our children's director. She always puts a lot of heart and soul into it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today, and I just thank you for the challenge. And Lord, we want to walk out being doers of the word. Give us the grace and the wisdom to take one step at a time and to live it out everywhere we go as missionaries for you. Fill us with your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.